0: Hi and welcome to Bloody Good Reads. I am your host Mark Goddard. You all know me from the Snakebite Horrorcast and SnakebiteHorror.co.uk. And again, we are here with Bloody Good Reads episode. I believe episode six. Now we've been doing this for six episodes. Bloody hell! This week we have a non-British guest. It's been unintentionally a very British affair. This this uh, this, this show so far. So we're going to jump over the pond to an author of a bit more extreme horror than we have been speaking to the last couple of weeks. His books, The Thirteenth and Covenant and Pumpkin Man, all brilliant titles and stuff that kind of got me into the horror genre in the first place. Uh, so i like to welcome to the podcast, John Everson. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. And one thing I
1: was going to tell you ahead of time and yeah. I didn't, it's actually Everson. Uh, Everson, I'm um, so sorry. Everyone's No, no, everyone <laughs> says Everson um so it's good to good to let you know
0: yes because otherwise that'd be very embarrassing for this podcast <laughs> 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 so yeah so welcome to uh to bloody good reads we are basically trying to with this podcast talk to authors in the horror genre and even out of the horror genre which uh, is a couple guests we've got coming up so that's a bit of a bit of a strange tangent to go on to after making it just horror but uh, we try and try and talk to some of the uh the horror authors out there who i know a bit more from when i was working at a bookshop back in back in the uh the old days and kind of the start of um state by horror when it came out on the website and then to you know meet some people and kind of talk about the horror genre in general so um you've had a very good career so far <laughs> so we, it's uh, gonna be very interesting to talk to you i, I, I i'll start with the conversation with the same question i start with every single week um how did you get into horror
1: a good question uh because it wasn't from what i read. I think originally. I was kind of a sci-fi kid growing up. Mm-hmm. Everything I read was like class classic sci-fi, Isaac Asimov, you know Arthur C. Clarke, um, Heinlein, all of, uh, Hal Clement, and that's what I read growing up. Uh, mostly, it wasn't wasn't horror. I mean, there were some some of the small books, like little ghost story kind of books that you get in grade school, mm-hmm. um, but mainly it was those. But I watched a lot of episodic horror on t- television, mm-hmm. so. You know, The Outer Limits and Twilight Zone and Alfred Hitchcock Presents and Night Gallery um, and uh, Kolchak the Night Stalker. You know, Mm -hmm. I watched all those kinds of series growing up. So I was I was watching horror, but I was reading science fiction. I think probably the first thing that actually really got me thinking about horror novels was probably Stephen King's Carrie, Mm -hmm. uh, because I remember checking that out of the library first year of high school and was shocked at the amount of internal conversation that book had it just it, it amazed me that you could actually um, put that much of a character's thoughts into a book um, so that was kind of an eye-opener to me and that's when I probably started reading more horror because I went through and read more Stephen King and then started branching out.
0: It's a lot of people start with Stephen King it's it's saying that a lot of guests we've had on has kind of mentioned I think it was, it's the stand was um, Tim LeBond's one of Tim LaVon's choices last week. But yeah, it seems seems to be a one. I I, I was kind of more Stephen King, not so horror horror. But when I started, like Goosebumps was when I was younger. We had a lot of that over here in the UK. Yeah. Didn't have some of the TV shows over here, though, which is a shame. It's kind of passed my generation by, which is sad. But we've got getting more of it now, like creep shows, obviously coming up on Shudder, which has been amazing. But didn't really get as many of the short ones over here. So... So I kind of started. Yeah,
1: here here in Chicagoland, they used to put those things on late night all the time as reruns, so you could always catch them on the weekend. We even had a a a local show called Creature Features, where they just played like the classic sci-fi and horror movies Mm -hmm. from the fifties and sixties on. I think Friday nights might have been Saturday nights, but so we'd always tune into those. Yeah, we we never had that stuff. The one thing too about King, you know, moving past carry was when he did firestarter next that was the perfect merger for me because it combined science fiction and horror um which i always love
0: so when did you really kind of first think i want to be an author because you did quite a lot of short fiction before you kind of released your novels but when was it that kind of in your mind for oh, i want to I really want to get into horror writing
1: you know i don't think i ever said, I'm gonna get into horror writing. Um <laughs> it just kinda happened. <laughs> okay. Um yeah, I uh I was always a writer. Um in grade school I actually wrote like again a sci-fi mm. um I tried to write an Isaac Asimov foundation story when I was probably third or fourth grade. Um but so I was always like writing short stories and poetry and song lyrics because I, I play keyboards and I used to write a lot of music. Um, and that you know, all through high school and college, I did that. But I was also, I always knew I was going to go into writing as a career. So I was a high school newspaper editor, and I was an assistant editor on my college newspaper, and I was a journalism major. So I always knew that writing was going to be what I did. Um, and fiction was just kind of a fun, you know, sideline um, that I did periodically. But once I hit the 90s, I was... Uh, I was out of college two, three years, and I realized that I'd written a lot of stories in high school and college, and I kind of wanted to put them all together in one place, kind of just gather them up, put them on the shelf, and say, hey, I did that, mm. um, because this was the early age of desktop publishing, right? So that's what I did as a career, is I helped lay out a magazine, and I th- in my off time, I was like, I could put all these stories together in a little booklet. So as I was doing that, I realized, hey, some of these stories aren't too bad. Mm. Uh, I kind of like them, you know, looking back on them two, three years later. And I started looking for places where I could actually submit them. And uh, lo and behold, I actually got a couple accepted at, at smaller markets. And so that kind of started me thinking about new stories. And then for the next few years, pretty much because I, I was I was married, but I didn't have children at that mm. point. And every weekend I just sit down on a Saturday or Sunday and I'd knock out a short story and then put it in the mail on Monday and wait for the return. Um, so it wasn't like I sat down and said, I'm going to write horror. Um, I wrote a lot of short stories and some of them were fantasy, some of them were science fiction. Um, but typically, even if they were fantasy and sci-fi, they always ended up with some nasty twist at mm-hmm. the end because of all those uh, Twilight Zone and Outer Limits episodes, I think. so. Um, so ultimately I ditched the science fiction element because to me, my aliens were kind of dumb. Uh, <laughs> and, and I just stuck with the, uh, stuck with the twists.
0: Yeah, a good twist is a, is a good part of a story. So, and you get a lot of that in horror. Cause what, what was the first kind of one you released? I know um, it's Covenant, isn't it? Was is it uh,
1: Well, Covenant was the first novel I released. Um, Cage of Bones was actually the first book because in 2000, uh, delirium books was just starting up and I had published a couple of short pieces with their magazine and they decided to do a collection of all the fiction I'd written in the nineties. So cage of bones came out a couple of years later at another short fiction collection from a Chicago label called twilight tales. And then, uh, delirium books picked up covenant. Yeah. Um, covenant is one of those novels. I listened to Tim's uh, interview last time and, uh, you know, he said he, his very first novel got accepted instantly. I had exactly the opposite experience. Yeah. Uh, Covenant made the rounds of virtually every publisher and agent in the U.S., I okay. think, um, and got rewritten at least once uh, before I finally did sell it. And then I sold it to a small market because the big markets weren't biting. Luckily, it did well and got the Bram Stoker Award for a first novel the year it came out.
0: You say know, that's a very good start to a to a novel to a writing career as you get a Bram Stoker Award, pretty much straight away, which is
1: yeah, it, it certainly helped because it, after that book came out in the states and it was I think it was a 250 copy limited mm-hmm. run in hardcover, um, I got an offer from a Polish a big Polish publisher at the time to put it out there yeah. because it was an award winner, so there were. 3,000 copies printed in Poland and there were 200 copies in the United mm-hmm. States. It was kind of it's ridiculous. Tr- it's
0: crazy because Poland um, has got a huge horror um, following over there. I know Graham Masterson does very, very well over there. Um, I think his wife was actually Polish as well. So, I know he goes over there a lot to kind of promote his stuff, all his horror novels. So, it's tr- I'm part Polish. It's, it's quite nice to know I, that I'm part Polish and still got a lot of horror fans over there. So-
1: yeah, I'm 25 percent uh, because my grandma was 100 percent. But uh, I, I wish I could speak it because I can't read any of the stuff that's been translated. Right. <laughs> but I have the most books in translation there um, than anywhere
0: else. They're in Germany. I think Europe in general is, is is very kind of there's a huge market for horror over here.
1: It seems to be growing um, because I you know I had a couple of books come out in Poland and then it kind of lulled off and then I then I had books picked up in. Uh, uh, Germany, mm. starting with Siren and then night- Nightwear. And then all of a sudden, Poland started picking back up again. So I, I've got a handful of books that have come out in the last two years in Poland. Mm. And now uh, The House by the Cemetery is coming out this fall in Czechoslovakia. Hell. So that's pretty cool. I just got the cover the other day.
0: because <laughs> The current cover is amazing. I love the, love the cover of the, other, uh, the last three books you've released. Amazing covers. Yeah, yeah, no. Flame Tree does some really nice work. Hi guys, it's Mark here from the Snakebite Horrorcast, snakebitehorror.com, and Bloody Good Reads. Really hope you're enjoying the episode today. Want to bring your attention to a brand new supporter of the podcast. Uh, they are Abominable Books. Uh, it's UK's best horror and thriller fiction book subscription service. They bring the world of horror and thrillers to your door every month for two brilliant prices. It's all the magic. Haunted bookshops, some are straight to your door each month. Basically gives you a brand new horror or thriller title a luxury snack made here in the UK a mystery, second hand book, possibly haunted book and you also get one of our featured magazines like Black Static Gasly and Hellbore, bookmarks drinks, some surprises or two. It's such a great subscription box and they are an amazing set guys so head over to Abominable bookclub.cratejoy.com. There's even two different tiers of subscriptions you can go for in here. So head on over to either get a full guts or a bare bones edition of the box. Let us know what you think of the box and give those guys support. Get back to the show. So on the podcast, what we like to do with our guests, try me a bit different than other podcast, is basically over in the UK, we've got this thing called Desert Island Discs. Where I guess comes on, they talk about um, free tracks that they like. So I am going to basically knit this idea, and uh, I am sure I am going to get done for copyright by the BBC. But um, basically, I get my guests to come on with three books from three different authors that they absolutely love. So I know you have brought four along. <laughs> so what is your first title?
1: <laughs> well, since you mentioned the BBC, I'll start with a BBC title. How about that? Yeah, go for it. Uh, Neverwhere. Uh, Neil Gaiman.
0: Okay.
1: I was at the World Fantasy Convention in 1997 and it was just a cup being held a couple miles from where I worked. Mm. And so I I was, you know, I'm not a fantasy writer that much, but I said I'll go over there and I walked through the lobby, well not the lobby, but down a hallway and and heard somebody reading and I stopped and it was a great wonderful, you know, melodious British accent. And I was instantly hooked when I started listening to what the story was. And it was Neil Gaiman reading the first few chapters of Neverwhere um, prior to its U.S. release. So it was only out in a BBC edition at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went the next day to the you know one of the little bookshops in the convention hall there and – found a copy and then found him in the hallway and got him to sign it where uh, <laughs> he wrote a little cartoon and said, "Mind the gap. I'm looking at it right now." Um, but I loved love, love this book. I love books that are all about sort of a, a sides uh, a side world that exists alongside ours, which is hidden, you know, sort of the Harry Potter go through the door and you're in a different place thing or Gaiman did that again in, in Coraline so that would definitely be uh one for me um I have been, been a Gaiman fan ever since
0: he's a legend he, he's so good at what he does
1: his prose is just it's just marvelous I mean he hooks you instantly and you're just into the rhythm and the flow of the story and they're fun inventive ideas and just the
0: language is beautiful always brilliant that's a very good choice um yeah, so carry on with kind of from Covenant. So you had sacrifices Your Sequel to Covenant. Then you yep. had the thirteenth, which I'm currently reading and I'm yes. bloody enjoying. Oh, <laughs> the, excellent. The first chap the, the end of that first chapter. Love it. Absolutely love the end of that first chapter.
1: The thirteenth is my homage to what'll be the second book that I talk about.
0: Ah, brilliant. Damn it, we should stick with them that about that? <laughs> um. <laughs> So you were of leisure for a quote. Is it leisure over in America? Because we call it leisure here, but I'm assuming it's leisure. Oh my like... Yeah, 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 we say le- we typically say leisure, but you were of leisure for uh for a while, then, because you had quite a few books come out with them. Um she had yeah. Man Siren 13. I closed them down.
1: Oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Covenant and uh Sacrifice were signed in a two book deal in 2007. Mm-hmm. And they came out, um, in 2008 mm-hmm. and then I wrote the 13th specifically for them. That was the first thing I wrote for a publisher, mm-hmm. um, where I knew I probably had a chance of publishing it cause mm-hmm. the first two were blind. Um, and then after I did the 13th, I said, you know, how do I sell you another book? Because the 13th was almost done when I, when I sold it to them, mm-hmm. um, how do I sell you a book without spending six to nine months writing it first and then find out you don't want it? And so I worked uh, on an out- long outline for them for my fourth book, which was Siren. Mm-hmm. And when Siren came out, I had already sold the next one, The Pumpkin Man. However, uh, Siren turned out to be the very last mass market title that Leisure released, mm-hmm. um, because they had not adapted to the whole ebook arena. And, you know, they were they were kind of spiraling into the toilet, as it were. Um, So (laughs) Siren and Brian Keane's Gathering of Crows were the two last mass market releases in August of that year. Um, And then they closed down and said, we're going to go trade paperback. And so (laughs) I actually stuck it out with them for the next year and a half as Mm -hmm. they struggled to try to retool themselves. So Siren was reissued as a trade. And then the Pumpkin Man finally came out the following year, um, but that was just about the very last original mm. that they released. Too, I think they did a couple more reprints from like Edward Lee and maybe yeah. someone else. Um, and then finally, they just were gone.
0: Yeah, I. I... So that was my that was my leisure yeah. history. I've I've heard the uh, the stories behind all that. <laughs> There's a few stories that were floating around back in the day, but yeah, it's it's a shame because they released such great titles. But it's, it's a shame that they. Uh... It it ended up that way, but you know. it
1: was, and their their staff was great. Um, I used to have business trips periodically to New York, so mm. I stopped into their offices two or three times, um, over the course of the decline, mm. and you know the the staff were wonderful, but uh, couldn't keep it afloat.
0: It's, it's a shame because that's how I um found Jack Ketchum when I first started getting into kind of I call it proper horror, um. Then I found your titles, and I found, you know, Edward Lee's titles, and they were so many amazing authors in one place that I it's just such a shame that they couldn't keep that, but you guys all went on to, you know, release some great books as well, so at least, at least you know, author-wise, you guys have done quite well for yourself, so that's good, that's good.
1: <laughs> Yeah, I think most most people kept going, which hmm. was great. I mean, there were people who dropped off. You know, you can look at the leisure list of the last two, three years that they were around, and I know some of those folks, I don't I don't think they're
0: writing anymore, but... Which is a shame. So after, after the leisure titles, the pumpkin man was your last one. Where did you end up going next? You had Net, uh, Nightwear? That was with... Uh, I don't know if I can pronounce that, the name of the company, but... It's,
1: it's Sam Hain. Yeah, I mean, uh, you... I think Samhain is the way you would pronounce it properly, but it's actually not named after the holiday. I think it's named after a last name. Um, But yeah, I followed uh, my editor, Don Doria, um, over to Mm Samhain. And for the first book there, I did Nightwear, which was pretty much the most extreme thing I've written. Mm -hmm. Um, It was a book I'd thought about writing ever since Covenant. So it had been, you know, 10 years at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, but I always was concerned that I couldn't do the topic justice cause it's a, essentially a sex club from hell kind of book. So there's a lot of raciness to it. There's a lot of extreme horror to it. And I just wasn't sure I could pull it off and I wasn't sure I wanted to put my name to it, frankly. Okay. Um, because, <laughs> because it really was over the top. Um, but I hadn't done anything now at that point in, in almost a year, I think. Mm-hmm. And then Don uh, reached out to some of us and said, "Hey, I, I just landed at a new label. Or do you have anything you'd want to submit?" And I said, "How about we do that?" And he said, "Sure, let's let's go for it." So turned out to be my next uh, Bram Stoker nominee mm-hmm. um, and last one too. It's uh, it became a finalist, and it's been a my best selling book in Germany right, uh, yeah. as well. So.
0: Germany obviously likes a bit more the extreme, so <laughs> there you go. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, and that's and that's just it. the uh, The label that had it there, um, you know, uh, they actually dropped me for a couple of years because the thirteenth followed it, but the thirteenth is probably the next, you know, over the top book for me, mm. um, but isn't as much as Nightwear, and they wanted something more. So Siren did not actually do that well there because it's not extreme at all.
0: I like Siren. Sounds yeah.
1: good. Book. But now we're we're, we're we're doing something for, I think, next year, a uh, collection of my extreme erotic horror for them. So I'll be back out uh, <laughs> in Germany with Festa again. Um, but yeah, I don't think I have another novel that is, you know, is over the top enough that they'll take it.
0: Okay. Did they get, um, she had a follow up to Night, Nightwear, didn't you, called uh, Field of Flesh? Yeah, novella? yeah it's just a short novelette.
1: Um, yeah, not even a novella. I think it's 11,000 words or something. And that's uh, that's the thing. I know Tim, Tim was talking to you about his love for novellas, mm. and I know he's done a lot of them. Um, I I tried to write a novella once. Mm. Um, it became the Family Tree, which is my shortest novel, but it's too long to be a novella. <laughs> uh, it's just it's just not the length I write at. I either write sort of longest short stories, mm. so eight to fourteen thousand words, or I've got sixty five
0: to eighty five. Kind of like too too much or awesome. not enough. <laughs> kind of in between.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just that that sweet spot in the middle where novellas fall—the twenty to forty thousand word range—I just I don't seem to write there at all. So
0: after Nightwear, is it Violet Eyes you had next, followed by Family Tree?
1: Yeah, it was Violet Eyes um, because and at that point, uh, I'd kind of I've kind of cycled right. So the first couple of books were Demons, uh, the first three books really. Mm. Then I said I can't do Demons anymore, so I did Siren, which was more mythological. Mm you know, paranormal horror. Um, and then I flipped back with the pumpkin man to something more traditional, uh, kind of a Ouija board, you know, uh, mm-hmm. kind of book. Um, and then nightwear went back to being super extreme. And then to follow that up, I was like, well, I can't go extreme again. I'll never top that one. Um, and so I looked at, to go in a different direction again and thought, Hey, I used to watch those creature feature movies when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, how about a big spider book? Um, and, and so that was violent It was a lot of fun to write. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's so much action, and uh, it, it was it was a lot of fun to write. Just every chapter, you know, bang, bang, bang. Mm. Um, so that was that one. And then uh, then I went to the, back to sort of the erotic horror element with Family Tree, um, but not nearly on the level of uh, extreme as Nightmare or the Thirteenth.
0: She had a prequel to that one as well, didn't you? Violet eyes. Eyes. You had a violet lagoon.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You got it. Um, That was because violet eyes was originally a uh, outline I did for leisure. Mm. Um, So was nightwear, honestly. Um, And it couldn't go to leisure because at that point, Sarah Penborough was doing her spider books. And so Don said, you know, I can't have two spider books out in the same year. Mm. So I tabled violet eyes at that point, but, I thought, well, I still really like this story, and like the first kind of prologue to it was a complete story in and of itself, um, at least the way I'd outlined it. Mm. So I thought, well, I'll I'll just write that prologue as a story, and that became Violet Lagoon, and it got released in a separate little three book or three story chapbook. Mm. Um, and then I thought that was kind of it. But then, you know, once I went to Sam Hay and I said, hey, I can probably do that book now because. Sarah's not on Sam
0: Hain. No. I think by that point, she kind of looked to start going more into the crime at that point, didn't she?
1: Yeah, yeah. She had totally begun to ascend.
0: Cool. So, we'll segue in to your second choice. What is the second book you brought us today? Second book is City Infernal by Edward Lee. Great book. Um, <laughs>
1: I, I love Edward Lee's stuff. Mm-hmm. He is one of the only authors that keeps me... If I start one of his books and I possibly can i will sit and read it the entire day until i'm done and i don't do that with hardly anybody else there are very few novels i've read start to finish in a single day he's one of them and you know the whole city infernal story it's all about a a goth girl who ends up going to hell essentially to try to save her twin sister it's fabulous Um, the descriptions of hell are wonderful i love all of the subculture references Um, the horror is great There are just lots of extreme weird things in it and then of course it became a trilogy ultimately Mm -hmm. but uh no i i love that book um really love all of edward lee's stuff but as i said earlier he he actually blurbed um my novel the 13th Oh, and that novel was kind of my attempt to write some really extreme kind of stuff like edward lee who i loved
0: you know what i do find that a lot even when i've tried writing i don't write much anymore but you know when i used to write i used to kind of go from all the stuff i read but it's it's nice when you got something that can inspire you them like that but i do love edward lee's work he's just one of those guys who you know chapter by chapter Mm. you
1: just keep turning you can't put it down and there are very few authors that i read that i just can't put it down he's one of them Um, and that's that's the kind of book i always wanted Mm. to
0: write Cause I, how did I? I this first one of this. I was, I was, because I used to work with a guy who used to be very heavily into horror. Um, he got me on to Jack Ketchum originally. Kind of thought probably wasn't the right book to start somebody who'd never really tried extreme horror before, but fine. But um, <laughs> 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 that's a dark book. My my one favourite book of all time, though. Um, but no, Edward Lee. I mean, I was given Ooh. um Goon in hardback and bloody hell. <laughs> <laughs> Great for wrestling fan though, but still. <laughs> but I think the, one, the first one that I kind of really
1: Goon was. Oh, I was Goon was one of the very first ones yeah. I read of his. Um, although actually, the, I think the very first one was the Big Head, which is his just over the top gross out book. Talk. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I, I've always said, you know, I read that as a mm. copy editor. I was doing copy editing for Necro Publications <laughs> at the time, and I'm not sure I would have finished it
0: uh, if, I, <laughs> if, didn't have to. if I wasn't
1: working <laughs> on it.
0: <laughs> but I mean, with the goon, though, what I loved about that was I had the illustrated version, and you know he's ripping off of, like, uh, Ric Flair and stuff like that, and amazing. The artwork in there yeah. is brilliant. But uh, I think the first one of his, though, I kind of, really loved was the portrait of a psychopath as a young woman that's one of the first ones that i kind of really yeah i went for that book and that was one of the ones like you said the ones you can sit and read for a whole day it just took me two or three days to read it and i'm quite a slow reader generally but loved that book i've read that a couple of times now it's it's, it's in my top 10
1: it's a different kind of mm. book for him too it's not his normal mm. stuff
0: but the way it's written and you know even elizabeth uh, stefan bits you know it's all molds in so well it's such a such a a great book but i think the other one that i kind of like of his is um bride of the impalers which is the vampire one which yes. i absolutely love absolutely love that book but anyway i'm sidetracking this is your this is your, your picks <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh you could pretty much talk any edward lee book and I'll, I'll be i'll be happy now bride of the impaler um i actually proofed that book as well for uh cemetery when that came out. I don't think it got quite the traction it should have. Cause I, I thought it was I a awesome it's book.
0: Yeah. It's one, of, one of his favorite ones of mine. I mean, Hedda had free books in the series. don't know how it got free books in Hedda. It was quite, quite a yeah. few books. But... Anyway. <laughs> and a, and a movie. It didn't do did, 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 mm. book justice, but still, you yeah, know,
1: <laughs> no, no. Sometimes things are better left in the reader's head. So
0: just kind of sidetrack off of kind of the career path. Um, one thing I did want to talk about is you've done quite a few uh, collections. We've edited yourself. Um, how how different no. is it kind of compared to because obviously you, you write you're kind of editing yourself in your head that you obviously does go to an editor, but editing yourself and doing the collections. How does the process work with this one? Because like um, you know, are you picking the stories yourself or are you just are you just editing them for the company? How does it work?
1: Um, well, I've done it a, a couple of different ways because um, you know, the first thing I edited was a co-editing slot, um, which was called Spooks. It was a book of ghost stories for Twilight Tales, um, which was a Chicago publisher that's gone these days. But um, really, there was a lead editor and I was kind of the junior editor and just helping out and second guessing and, you know, making copy editing kinds of suggestions. And I also was the designer of that book. So I did the cover and the layout work. Um, so that was one way of approaching it. Um, I think the next thing I did as an editor was a tribute book, um, called in delirium Two, uh, which was kind of all of the delirium books, authors giving a short story to the press, um, because delirium had made such an impact on, on everyone's Mm -hmm. careers. Um, so that was fun. And that was, that was an open call kind of thing. It was only open to obviously Delirium books, authors, and they were all, you know, really good authors. So in terms of doing editing, you know, I didn't have to do that much. I, I, I looked at the stories, I made suggestions on a few things, you know, we tightened up some grammar and and it went. Um, but then you go to more of an open call situation. Um, I was a, a reader for, dark regions magazine for a while and that's a different kind of editing because then you truly are just saying uh reading the slush pile and deciding whether the story makes it or not um first for something like in delirium those authors were going to get a story in because they were donating it you know so that that the choice factor wasn't there um then i founded my own press uh called dark arts books and this was before my novels had taken off And our goal was to kind of do mini short fiction collections of some of our favorite authors. So they were not open call books. Um, You know, uh, we would invite four authors to give us three to five stories and we'd put it out as a trade paperback. Um, And those did very well for us. The third one actually was a Bram Stoker finalist, uh, like a Chinese tattoo. Um, And it was that was a fun period because. We pretty much, um, it was my partner, Bill Breedlove and I, um, we, we founded it originally. We founded the press just to put together a chapbook that we wanted to take to world horror. So we put like a boys from Chicago book together. So it was, uh, myself and Martin Mont and Bill Breedlove, um, uh, and, uh, uh, Jay, um, who I'm embarrassingly <laughs> it's blanking fine. on, I can edit that um, out. <laughs> who wrote the walking dead books. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, anyway, we, 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 were going to San Francisco world horror, um, and all of us, uh, were going to be there and we didn't have any current releases. Um, so because and Singo was, was the fourth author. Um, but, uh, so we put together a book, um, it did well. Um, it it actually sold a lot. And so we said, Hey, let's actually do another anthology. So then we went through and really founded dark arts books as a press. Um, and each book because of the way horror was at that point, um, we'd have one or two leisure authors. So you had, you know, Jeff Strand and Sarah Pinbrough, um, and, uh, who else was in theirs? Um, who else was uh, let's see? Cody Goodfellow, but he wasn't a leisure author. Gary Brownbeck mm-hmm. uh, was in one. Um, Nate Kenyon, um, Joe DeLacy, um, uh-huh. who I think you've yeah. interviewed, was in one of them. Um, Michael Marshall Smith, you know, we and each each author would would do sort of a, a quarter of the book. Um, and then you'd also, you, we'd try to pair those more known authors up with, mm. with newcomers. So we'd hopefully be introducing people to different fan bases. Um, and that was, that was a little more of an editing, uh, you know, exercise because there were, you know, stories that we would reject and say, oh, well, this doesn't, this isn't quite what we're looking for. That was kind of the last time I think I really did editing, um, as an anthology, Um, Our very last anthology was called Swallowed by the Cracks. I mean, that had S.G. Brown, Michael Marshall Smith, Gary McMahon, Lee Thomas. Uh, It was a lot of fun. Um, But at that point, you know, my career had taken off as a novelist and the ebook revolution was kind of ruining the small trade paperback market. And so it just kind of became a uh, archival press more than an active press Mm. around 2012 or so. That was a way long side trip for talking about editing,
0: <laughs> but I'm intrigued because I've not actually had a guest on who's really kind of done the editing side of it. Yeah, so it's just isn't this good for me to ask a question? I just didn't get interested. <laughs> it's more, it's more, it's more a personal I thing mean, for thing, me to learn. Thing,
1: <laughs> to be honest, the thing I enjoyed about it more was book design mm. and layout because that went back to my roots as you know a desktop publisher. Mm. I, I like that part of it more than actually going into a story and telling people how to improve it. That's not necessarily yeah. my thing. There are good editors who do that very well. Yep. So I, I did all the all our book covers and all the layout. It was a lot of fun.
0: I'm gonna let you have a fourth one. So let's check in the third one while we're here. <laughs> What's your third book choice?
1: <laughs> third book choice. La 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 la. I'm going to say Nina Kariki Hoffman's "The Thread That Binds the Bones," which uh-huh. I don't know if you've ever read it. It's, I believe, it's her first novel, um, and it's just a wonderful novel of fantasy and magic. Um, when I was starting out and just writing short stories, Nina had a lot of stories in the various horror and fantasy magazines of the '90s, and. She was she was one of those authors who really could flip back and forth between writing a horror story and writing a fantasy story, um, and I don't I don't read a lot of fantasy, but her stuff her characters are always well drawn. They're always you know, typically teens or very young adults, um, often dealing with you know some kind of personal thing. But like I love the way she treated magic, and again, it's a family of people who do magic who are living right alongside everyday people Um, so that hidden world that is next door and you don't really know about it but there's a whole underground that ties into it Um, thread that binds the bones is just a magical wonderful book and i know she's written um, several novels since then that that touch on it but that was that was a big Mm -hmm. one for me i've actually got a beautiful combo um, edition Uh, there's a hardcover one of those beautiful limiteds um, who did this book? I can't remember. Hypatia Press, which put together uh, The Thread That Binds the Bones and a Handful of Twist Ties. It's a beautiful, big, hardcover oh. collection.
0: I can actually hear that it actually sounds like a nice kind of nice little hardback. Actually, You can hear the, the nicety of the hardback. I worked in a bookshop. It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Weird obsession. Uh, <laughs> so, and just... Uh,
1: if you want, I'll push number four right out. Yeah, go for it. That.
0: Go for it. Because
1: <laughs> um, it, it, it sort of follows the same thing. Um, the Witching Hour by mm-hmm. Anne Rice, um, and and the reason I love both of those books is sort of the 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 world next to ours, the world that's in ours but nobody knows about. So the Witching Hour is, you know, there's a whole history of witches, and the language is beautiful in it, and there's this. You know, delving into centuries worth of you know secret societies that have led up mm-hmm. to now—that's um, that's the kind of stuff I love. I don't actually write that stuff very much, <laughs> but it's the kind of books I love to read. Is that that secret yeah. society? And the, you know, n- uh, Neverwhere followed the same thing, right? It's a world in, mm-hmm. within ours, a secret that we don't see. Very good. Very good.
0: You're very lucky. I've given you four. <laughs> I can only put three on the website. <laughs> so I had to pick one. <laughs> That's cool. a... so, so after Family Tree, you had Redemption, which is dark arts. But after that, you released House by the Cemetery, which is your, I'm assuming, your more your current um, publishing company that you're with at the moment.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So Redemption is the only book I've ever hmm. self-published. Um, just so people know because Covenant and Sacrifice which came out from Leisure um, and then were sold to Amazon's 47 North label when Leisure collapsed Um, You know, the original publisher wasn't there to support the series and the new publisher didn't care about new books so I wanted to write the final third book in that trilogy and nobody wanted it. I mean I could have sold it to a small press but I figured if I'm going to do that I'll just put it out on Dark Arts Um, (laughs) So I I wrote that book. I wrote that book in between um, Sam Hain, uh, the second publisher I had, went down the tubes in a similar way to Leisure. And uh, I was without a publisher, so I wrote Redemption and put it out myself. And then by the time that had come out, Don Doria had now landed with a press called Flame Tree um, over in your neck of the woods. Um, flame tree has been around doing uh gift books and journals and stuff like that since the 90s but they hadn't done an original fiction line and so they they deemed the time was right a few years ago and they started flame tree Press uh for horror sci-fi thrillers um and don reached out to me um and said hey uh would you like to do something for us and at the time i'd had an outline and sample chapters that had been with Kensington for quite a while, but got stranded because the editor who liked them and was talking about buying them, uh, Mm. the book, uh, suddenly left. So I had a, I had a novel that was just in limbo over there and nobody was answering me. So I said, Hey, what do you think about this one? And he said, I love it. When can you get it (laughs) into me? (laughs) So I pulled it from Kensington at that time since they hadn't Mm. been answering. And, uh, quickly went on a three month writing binge and finished it up. And so that helped launch the flame tree press line. Cause that was my thing is, is like, if this is mm. going to be a new line, I would like to be in the first month or two of releases. I want to, I want to watch the press. Uh, so that was house by the cemetery. Would are kind of
0: be there right to the start. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it was great. I, you know, flame tree put a lot of work uh, into launching the line. They had publicists that was getting stuff. I, and I, I had a perfect book for, for local, press too because the book is set in a true haunted cemetery which is near where i grew up and while i didn't tell the story of the old ghost stories there i used those as just kind of a backdrop for my own original piece um but that meant that i could get like we had a a morning news program come out to the cemetery and do an interview with me in the cemetery (laughs) which was great fun it's the only time i've been on live tv for a book uh, but that was great. Um, you know, got some newspaper coverage out of it for the same reason. So it was it was a good kickoff for being yeah, with a new
0: imprint. 100%. 100%. You, don't, you don't get an awful lot of authors on the news, really, do you? <laughs> You're very lucky.
1: <laughs> no, the second book did not get me on TV.
0: <laughs> <laughs> can I only hope? You can only hope? So then you had House of Cemetery, Devil's Equinox, and your latest title is coming out next month. So tell us a little bit about Voodoo Heart. So Voodoo Heart um, is, as
1: the title suggests, a voodoo novel.
0: Um, read nine? <laughs>
1: it's, it takes place in New Orleans. I know. <laughs> Who would guess? Um, it's actually, it's, it's got, it's another one like Nightwear, which has a long history for me, because the the short story that it's based on is called Vigilantes of Love, which was the title story to my second fiction collection back in like, when was that?
0: 2003, I
1: think. Um, (laughs) And at the time, uh, at the time people were like, oh, this should be a longer story. This should be a longer story. And during, during my time at the end with leisure, I think I did the outline for it and said, okay, I'm ready to do this longer thing. And then obviously it didn't happen for leisure. Um, And I didn't even return to it for Sam Hain, but then I was down in new Orleans a year and a half ago. And, looking for what I was going to write next. I was between books and I was sitting at one of my favorite bars there um, and just trying to generate ideas. And I went, you know, there was that voodoo book that I was thinking about writing. And I pulled out the outline and started poking at the outline and fleshing it out more. And, you know, by the end of that night, I was like, okay, I'm writing voodoo heart (laughs) next.
0: Hey, you had it there. So
1: I decided that in New Orleans, which That's was fun. To
0: do it. Um,
1: <laughs> the killer is, you know, I spent the next few months, right. You know, first I sold it, obviously the outline, um, but I spent the next few months writing it. And then the proof pages of the book were supposed to come to me in the beginning of March this year. And I, I had another meeting in New Orleans, so I was like, "This is so perfect." I started the book in New Orleans, and I'm going to do the page proofs in New Orleans while I'm there on business. And then COVID hit, so the whole trip was canceled, so that didn't happen. Uh, COVID <laughs> would have been the perfect <laughs>
0: cycle. <I> things, really. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, but it's basically it follows um, Detective Lawrence Rabot, um, who his wife uh has mysteriously disappeared leaving behind a bloody bed and her presumably her heart in the middle of it um and she's just one of a whole bunch of cases that are hitting new orleans and pretty soon we realize that it's hitting Mm -hmm. new orleans once a month on the night of the full moon um and there are enough clues that says somehow it's voodoo related whether you believe that voodoo is a real thing or not somebody was doing this ritual um and presumably killing all these people although they can't find any of the bodies. Uh, So he, uh, our titular detective, of course, must dig in, A, try to find what's going on for his own personal reasons, but uh, as his job as well, leading him into the dark reaches of voodoo in the underbelly of New Orleans. It it was a lot of fun to write, especially since I'd I'd just been there and I walked around and I I refreshed myself. Once I decided I was writing it with some of the local local places and i put in some of my favorite places too just <laughs> my my favorite place for dinner is redfish so that's in the book you know my favorite bar that i always write at when i'm there that's in the book
0: and you never know you see, tell them this tell them this they'll give you a free meal you never know thank you for joining us the podcast I love your choices love to edward Lee's now on, the, on, on our list of uh of authors because um such a great author um where can people find you yep. on social media if you do want to talk to people? Some people might not want to, but you know, some authors do like to talk to people.
1: <laughs> I'm I'm easily found. Yeah, you know, I've never, I've honestly never understood that. If you're if you're writing and you're an author, then your whole point you're is to that. reach people um, <laughs> with with your writing. So I've that when I have done mm. writing workshops, um, I've actually used. Make sure you're on social media on all of the major places. Make sure you have a website. I've always pushed that at people because I, I have done some local author fairs where I've tried to look people up that mm-hmm. I've met, and realized they are impossible mm-hmm. to find. They don't have a website. If they do have one, it has no contactability in it. It's like I don't I don't know what the point is of writing and then hiding. Um, but anyway, I, am out there. I'm easily found. John Everson.com has been around for years and years and years. I'm on Facebook and Twitter um, under my name. Very easy. I'm on Instagram as Nightwear Man uh, because my name was right. taken. Oh, okay. uh, so yeah, you can <laughs> cool. find me pretty cool. easy.
0: And yeah, again, thank you for joining us on the podcast. That's no worries. Thanks for no worries. having me. Uh, everybody can catch me again. Um, as I always say, in this podcast. You always catch me over on Twitter. It's by Horror um you can catch me on instagram at snakebitehorror. horror you can also find uh, film reviews book reviews we just just start relaunching book reviews back on snakebitehorror.co.uk so um do keep your eyes open for that we've got a few good titles coming up you can also catch me every fortnight over at snakebitehorrorcast. horrorcast uh we've just released an episode so this episode will be coming out next week so about a week ago um which is us following the uh the shudder sensation which is host and we also did grand piano which isn't technically a horror film but it was on shudder um and we also got some more guests coming up on the, on the horror cast as well which uh a couple of surprises possibly a surprise on the next episode so uh do keep your ears open for that one and yeah before i do leave i do want to do a quick live um advertisement for our sponsor um this is going to go wrong because i can't say abominable without kind of messing that up let's try <laughs> um so huge thanks to us to our sponsor here as well which is abominable books uh, it's a n- new subscription book club which um basically inside the box you get a new title a second hand title and depending on which tier you go to you get a snack and a couple of extra bits in there as well brilliant brilliant box you can actually get 10 percent Offer your first box if you're a fan of the Snake Bite um, Snake the Snake Bite podcast network. Uh, if you use the code Bloody Good Reads, it's um, yeah definitely worth trying. to so hunt them guys out. You can find the description in the the you can find the link in the description below. Um, do click it. Do use ten percent. Do give them support. It'd be brilliant if they can uh, uh, get some more subscriptions out of this, which would be great. Um, Again, as always, thank you for listening. I've been your host, Mark Goddard, and I will see you next time.